0: This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bayshore. As we begin to come out of the fog that we've all gotten to know is COVID, on Side Alpha Podcast, we're talking today with the CEO and Executive Director of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. But before we start, let's hear a word from our sponsor. At MSA, your health and safety drive us to develop highly advanced safety equipment to protect you on the job. MSA's Globe Gear is performance and protection in perfect balance. It's designed to meet the challenges you face every day to help keep you safe and healthy during your career and beyond. Get the full story at msafire.com globe. That's msafire.com globe. Today, we're talking with Chief Rob Brown, the recently appointed CEO and Executive Director of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. Chief Brown began his fire service career over 40 years ago and has racked up an impressive list of locations where he served as fire chief. Um, I'll give you that list here. That's South Metro in Missouri, Anderson Township in Ohio, Castle Rock, Colorado, Stafford County, Virginia, and Fresno City, California. Chief Brown has been a member of the IAFC since 1987 and a member of the Metro Fire Chiefs Association since 2012. Chief Brown has also served as president of the IAFC Missouri Valley Division, treasurer and director-at-large of the IAFC EMS section, president of the Colorado State Fire Chiefs, and chair of the Northern Virginia Fire Chiefs. Before being appointed as the CEO and executive director of the IAFC, Chief Brown was serving as the commonwealth of virginia's chief regional coordinator of emergency management and homeland security in northern virginia and the national capital region. chief brown holds a bachelor's degree and is a master's degree candidate in intelligence and national security. chief brown is also a graduate of the national fire academy executive fire officer program. chief, that's a lot. Welcome to South Alpha podcast.
1: Mark, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I uh, I relish this opportunity to speak with you and and your listeners.
0: I appreciate that. And, you know, Chief, you have held Chief's roles and other roles from coast to coast and had a, a wide array of opportunities and responsibilities over the year. I imagine that taking over as CEO of the IFC has to be an enormous honor and, frankly, one of your greatest responsibilities. Can you talk with us about that experience and those responsibilities?
1: Absolutely. And you are absolutely correct. It, it it's a huge honor and something that um, I never um, thought I would find myself um, in a position to do. Um, I as as you mentioned earlier, I joined the IFC in 1987. Um, as soon as I made division chief and I've been actively involved and working um, in several areas of the IAFC because I've always looked at the IAFC as as really our North Star as as fire chiefs and chief officers. And um, when I came to work for the IAFC after I retired from the fire service, um, I, I was happy to give back and enjoyed what I was doing. And when I found myself in this position, it was a true honor. Um, Primarily because what you know, what I see my role is is bridging the gap between what our members want and what we can provide as the I uh, the IFC from a staff standpoint. Um, uh, we have a phenomenal staff at the IFC and we rely on so many association professionals, but we still need to be member driven and we need to look at what our members need and I'm trying to bring those together and I, I i just can't tell you what an honor it is to be in a
0: position to do that uh, absolutely and you know i was talking to um, somebody else just the the day a, an organization that shall remain nameless not for any particular reason but uh i was speaking with them and you know we were talking about uh, an announcement they're getting ready to make and uh, they they told us the the date of the announcement i said well, you know what? That's that's right during the IFC's conference. What better a place and time to make an announcement like this than at the International Association of Fire Chiefs uh, conference? Um, and like you said, it it really is that uh, that that pinnacle organization that should be that North Star for uh, folks to follow. So I, I share that uh, appreciation of the organization and I appreciate you um, Kind of like you said, bridging that gap. You know, so people don't become chiefs because they're slackers, right? And, um, you know, we, we typically have to have a, a common passion for leadership. I've known you for many years, and, you know, we've uh, uh, grown up in some of the same circles, grown up in the fire service in some of the same circles, and uh, I can attest to your passion for Leadership, but can you share with us share with our listeners a bit about your passions in general and about your passion specifically for fire service leadership
1: absolutely you know I was uh um, when I was nine years old, I lost my father to a sudden uh, heart attack and um, back then many of us um, our age remember the show emergency and that was a a show that my father and I watched together. And of course, my parents wanted me to be a doctor and I wanted to be a firefighter. So I thought that was a compromise. <laughs> but uh, when it my kind father, of,
0: I, kind of, I guess, right? I'm <laughs> yeah, not sure the pay was the same. But yeah, yeah I get it. I, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: not sure my parents saw it that way. But I, that's how I looked <laughs> at it. Um, but when my father passed away, um, I was convinced that had our community had those paramedics at the time, that maybe he'd be here today. Um uh, our community uh, that I, the, the community I grew up in, Lee Summit, Missouri, was extremely progressive, and and had paramedics shortly thereafter. Um, but that 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 cemented my um, desire to be in the field and to make a difference. And I looked at this as an opportunity to lead, and I wanted to make sure that I was able to step into a role to where I could bring about the changes necessary in a community to give the community something that they could rely on. Um, And that's what really drove me to begin with. As I got into the fire service and started to, to grow, I saw so many other opportunities. And I became involved in the International Association of Fire Chiefs and some of the other organizations. And I was absolutely overwhelmed with the Um, abilities of so many fire chiefs out there that were really weren't talked about, Um, you know, much like the fire service was back in uh, um, the sixties, seventies, early eighties, you know, we were kind of a closed shop. And so uh, we were as leaders as well. And I have, I have witnessed um, the coming out, I would say of, um, of leaders in the fire service, early leaders like, um, Um, Ronnie Coleman and and Warren Isman, Jim Estep, um, and many others. And that inspired me to really push to make sure that we carried on that legacy. Uh, Jim Page, um, who was a a personal friend and and a mentor to me for so many years. And um, with that, um, I, I never lost focus on that. And I always brought it back to the International Association of Fire Chiefs because for me, I felt like this was our fraternity. This is where the men and women that were fire chiefs in the United States really came together to to hone our, our, to hone our trade, our craft. And um, as I moved along, I, I, I decided that it was important for me to, um, just like it is in the fire service, to, to work my way up through the chairs spend time at the state um, and regional level and and work in the International Association of Fire Chiefs and the committee levels. And um, not only do your time, so to speak, but um, learn from the others as you're moving along. And um, that to me was was very rewarding. Um, I went into the uh, executive fire officer program at the National Fire Academy um, I was one of the first people to embrace the the, the uh, chief fire officer process in the accreditation world, not because it padded my resume, but because it challenged me. And that's what I want to continue, is to challenge the future officers that are coming up through the ranks to not forget those things. Uh, before I retired as fire chief, I used to ask people that would come before me for promotions, what's the latest trade journal? article you read, and what did it mean to you? And um, I was disappointed in some areas that some of these folks had had not taken the opportunity to do that. Well, of course, now with with, uh, the internet, a lot of those trade journal articles are online, but I still feel it is one of these um, uh, mainstays that people that want to grow as a leader in the fire service, they can't just wait for their department to provide them opportunities they have to reach out and find other opportunities and the international association of fire chiefs was one of those opportunities for me as well as so many other opportunities that are out there in other organizations that i embraced over the years
0: yeah and certainly your um, breadth of experience from coast to coast had to help you right and Uh, in preparation to lead the IAFC. You know, I'm pretty much an East Coast person. I've been up and down the East Coast in places. uh, Our careers have, uh, from a timing perspective, kind of mirrored each other, being in the same places at at some times and worked for progressive organizations and holding a diverse array of leadership positions. But I suspect that coast to coast and in between, you know, you had the stops uh, in the Midwest there that those had to help mold your uh, not only uh, your leadership uh, paradigm, but your understanding of the dynamics that affect the fire service in other places than just the East Coast or just the West Coast. Or, so can you speak to that and how important that is for people to get outside of that comfort zone and 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 go see other people and see other things?
1: Absolutely. You know, that that was never my plan. Um, when I went uh, went off to college at the University of Missouri, I joined the Boone County Fire District and um, started as a volunteer and jumped over onto the career side and worked my way up to assistant county fire chief and decided that uh, I wanted to move on to be fire chief. So I, I originally went just 120 miles down the road to a department that was next to my hometown. And I thought, you know, there's things that I want to learn. And Um, One of those things was labor relations. And so I um, uh, looked at opportunities and made a move to Anderson Township, Ohio, um, and was able to work in a strong labor environment and learn about a lot of the labor relations, so on and so forth. And then I had the opportunity to um, move to Castle Rock, Colorado and take on a department that was in transition, building into a career department, take over EMS, And that's where I started to think, well, you know, this is an opportunity for me really to to get to know um, what the fire service really is in the United States, because before that, I would have told you that, you know, the fire service is the fire service. And Jim Page always used to tell me, you've seen one ems system you've seen one ems system yeah what's that mean well i started to to experience that um you know when you know when i in my early career when i was with boone county we had a trade program with prince george's county maryland and when i first came out to prince george's place
0: right (laughs) yeah
1: when i first came out there in in the in the mid 80s you know even that was a um uh, a complete shock to me because of some of the things that were being done that we didn't do in the Midwest or vice versa, um even just terminology yeah. uh, and so as i as I started to build my career, um I really looked for opportunities to be in different areas because I really wanted to learn about what we were doing in the different regions and um, it, it's amazing that the fire service culture, while it has some common bonds, is really very different from the West coast to the East coast, from the North to the South. Yeah. Uh, and my career has been able, you know, I've been able to experience a lot of that and it's been extremely rewarding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what you did in Castle Rock is exactly what uh, they have me doing in Highlands County is Like you said, establishing a career department and absorbing EMS and um, I took the less, uh, stringent word and said absorb instead of take over, but the uh, same, uh, same idea that, you know, we uh, are all one and we're all, uh, you know, we're all doing the same thing, but it is uh, dynamically different from coast to coast. And I appreciate your experience as you lead the IFC now. Let's change gears for just a second. Then, you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, so I'd like to know what you see as the most emergent Issues for the fire service in 2021 and beyond, not just one issue, but you know what are those issues? Where do the fire chiefs really need to be focusing their time right now?
1: You know what's interesting is in the past we we, we had more time to to um, react to what social norms and changes were. and I think these days the trick is is really for any fire chief is to balance all of the needs. Because we have internal needs, we have community needs, and we have societal needs, and then we have pressure from so many um, um, national um, uh, issues that are occurring. And I think as we look forward, one of the issues that we have been talking a lot about is the change in social justice and community needs. I remember when I became when I started as a paramedic in 1981 a lot of times we would be called to the scene where a police officer was with someone that had mental health needs they would stand there and wait for us to arrive and then we would take that over and we would transport them them to um, a hospital and I'm not sure that that you know that they got the care that they needed but that's the way that it worked and as times evolved law enforcement became Um, more involved because they were demanded to be more involved in that and now we're finding ourselves in a situation with the events of the last couple of years where the citizens and a lot of the special interest groups are starting to say we need to treat people with mental health issues much differently than we are and we have had discussions with our ems section and other organizations about what does that look for the fire service Because this could bring back a huge demand on our emergency medical services systems. And are we the appropriate people to handle this? And if not, how do we bridge the services that we provide with the social services and other services that are there? when you and I became firefighters, it was, it was, you know, it was complicated, but fairly simple. We had a few things we were doing and we would take on hazmat and some EMS things, but, but now, um, the, the social needs of our community are falling upon the fire service in many different ways. And and quite frankly, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's, it's something that I think we're very good at something that we can embrace, but it is something that's going to have to be on that fire chief's radar to say how do I how do I meet these needs for the community, but at the same time they can't forget the health and safety needs of our firefighters. While fires may be going down, they're getting more dangerous. So when we go to structure fires or to hazardous materials incidents or any anything else in between, um, they're more dangerous. Um, some communities are responding to those calls for service with 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 fewer resources and less staff. And so the fire chief needs to also look at those, and then we just had the funding issue. And um, I was I was fortunate when I was a fire chief um, to be asked by the IFC to chair the economic crisis task force that um, was born out of the housing crisis. And one of the things that we learned during that was that several states, because of the way their laws are um, uh, enacted. Um, may recover faster, some may recover slower, especially fire protection districts that rely solely on property taxes and may have caps in place. And so some of these fire districts and other areas were, were, were still in the recovery process from where they were before the housing crisis. The pandemic hits, things come on top of that, challenges things even further. But at the same time, we have all these other issues that are occurring that are that are, demanding more attention in certain areas, um, and so funding, uh, COVID recovery, not only for our personnel, but for the community, and just our, our, our long-term resilience are things that fire chiefs are going to have to be looking at. It's a much more complicated job than it was 20 years ago.
0: No, no question, and, and, and exponentially becomes more and more complicated every day, uh, you know, on one hand, I think that uh, the availability of the Internet, and social media has made our jobs easier, but it's also made our jobs more difficult. And, um, you know, managing those expectations of the public are dynamically different. So I certainly appreciate that as uh, as something to be focusing on. So it's good stuff. Uh, let's take a brief moment to recognize our sponsor. Scientific studies have proven that lighter-weight and more flexible footwear isn't just about comfort, it's about safety. MSA's Globe Superflex boots are state of the science. With unprecedented flexibility and grip, plus athletic footwear construction, Superflex performs like a boot that feels like a sneaker. Globe, athletic gear for firefighters. Get the full story at msafire.com/globe. That's msafire.com globe. At MSA, your health and safety drive us to develop advanced safety equipment with performance and protection in perfect balance. Like Globe Athletics, the latest innovation in turnout gear. Developed as athletic gear for firefighters, Athletics uses unique stretch fabrics that provide body-contoured fit for unprecedented range of motion and flexibility. It's lighter weight, less bulky, and provides the protection you need from your turnout gear. Get the full story at msafire.com globe. That's msafire.com globe. Okay, Chief, um, you know, the IFC has gone through some challenges and some changes over the past few years. Um, I, I don't think I'm speaking lightly when I say it's been a rough ride. Um, I'd like to hear from you. And I think our listeners would like to hear. What are what are your goals uh, to to steady, kind of steady that ship and and ride the wave out here to uh, to get us in a better place?
1: Well, let me first say you're absolutely correct. the The IFC has had some challenges, and and uh, I think we're going through the same cycle that everyone does. Uh, we we have our we have our ups and our downs. Um, when i was uh, fortunate enough to be um, appointed as the interim ceo and executive director back in the um, fall of uh, 2019 we had financial issues that we had to address well our association has been around since 1873 and we'll celebrate our 150th anniversary in 2023 so uh, we're a strong organization, and we know how to manage our own crisis and 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 get ourselves um, back in back in line with where we want to be We've had some phenomenal executive directors that have uh, over the years that have have addressed these issues before, and quite frankly, um, as i've learned more about the association world here in washington um, It's not uncommon for us to face these challenges. But what we have done is to make sure that we are starting to take a business approach to planning our future. Immediately after the board appointed me, I worked with our leadership, um, Chief Steve Locke, who was our treasurer, um, our president at the time, Chief Gary Ludwig, then Chief Richard Carrizo, now Chief Stubing and we've looked at what do we need to do to make um, the organization more financially resilient. And we've taken those steps. Um, we have uh, completely um, turned around our financial reporting system and how we account for things. And I can tell you that, you know, I spent years as a um, as a member of the executive board of the emergency medical services section, of the IFC, and, and, Several several years as treasurer, and one of our issues was getting timely financial reports. Um, we've 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 turned that around. Um, the IFC um, has outsourced our financial services to Cordia Partners here in Washington D.C., and their folks have helped us begin to immediately turn around our monthly financial reports so that our treasurer and our leadership. Have good numbers like we would expect as fire chiefs so that we can make decisions. I remember back as the treasurer of the MS section, sometimes the numbers I would get were three months old. It's hard to answer a question when someone says, Can we engage in this project and spend this amount of money? when I'm thinking, Well, you know what? I, I think so, but I, I got to see what's happening here and it's three months in arrears. So we fixed those things. Um, we have started to look at what we need to change as an organization to become more member-driven. We feel like we lost our way in some areas where we started thinking, hey, this is how we've always done things, instead of looking at what do our membership want today. Um, It's extremely important for us to evolve. Otherwise, um, we'll cease to exist as an organization, if we don't meet the needs of the upcoming chief officers. And that is really our focus today. And every one of our staff are committed to that that goal. Um, in order to meet the issues that we were dealt during the pandemic, and that was a, a huge loss in revenue because of our inability to provide conferences and education programs. Uh, oh. We w- we had to lay off many of our, our, our valued staff, and that has presented challenges, but the staff that has left has stepped up, and many of the staff members that had to be furloughed have come back to work for us as contractors, hoping that as we grow, we can bring them back to the team.
0: Good stuff there, and, it, and it's good to see that the IFC is uh, leading the way with uh, going back to live conferences. Um, I think, you know, Teams and Zoom and all those uh, certainly had their place uh, and have been phenomenal in the opportunity to uh, spread out the availability. Um, But there is nothing like that face-to-face and hand-to-hand touch and the ability to network. Uh, So I appreciate the IFC's conference. I hope to see you there at the, the end of July in Charlotte well we're very excited about it uh, I, you
1: know i have to say and and you and i have known each other for a long time we've worked on things here in the national capital region and so i i, I think we consider ourselves uh, here in this area um, pretty good planners and and looking forward yeah. i don't think anybody knew what was what was in the cards with this pandemic i used to teach ems operations at the national fire academy and we do a day long exercise on pandemic and everybody would would uh, moan and groan because they're like, this will never happen. And I remember when I sent everybody home um, in the middle of March and I told them, I said, hey, go home and uh, stay safe and healthy. We'll work We'll work online and so that we can be back in June and, and get that HAZMAT conference running. And so here we are um, over a year later and we're very excited to, to get this off the ground we're doing it very safely Um, one of the things that we have done is i appointed dr jim augenstein and and retired chief david becker from the ems section um, as our health and safety people for the conference and we had a conversation recently um, to make sure that we're up on everything and as things move along um, we're excited about what we're going to be able to offer um to the uh, uh attendees of fri but we'll make sure that it's safe and following the cdc regulations or i'm sorry regular the recommendations um but as you said people just want to be back together i have had numerous calls saying hey I, I just i we need the connection and i was um fortunate to be able to teach the fire service executive development institute class uh, that the ifc puts on for new chief officers recently. And I do a class on relationships, and um, it was it was it was surreal for me because relationships are I think are so much they were so important before, but they're so much more important now because I think a lot of us before the pandemic thought, "Hey, we can do a lot of this stuff online, but I think this has taught us as human beings, we need that social interaction, and even when you attend a class in person, it's those conversations that happen in the hallway or later on in the evening that really mean so much to people. And so we are so glad to be able to come back and hold the FRI um, as an in-person event and kind of kick off uh, the fire service in-person events at the end of July.
0: Yeah, no, uh, good stuff. Uh, And I Of course, I'll give a shameless plug here for uh, the event. I'll be uh, lecturing a class on the 28th in Charlotte uh, titled Lead, Follow, or Get Out of the Way. So (laughs) certainly, uh, hopefully, we'll get some folks that will sign up and go to IFC.org, right, to be able to sign up for the conference.
1: Absolutely. Registration just opened, and we are uh, experiencing... more registrations than we'd anticipated so we're looking forward to a great conference yeah
0: well that's a good thing outstanding so let's talk about your priorities for the ifc okay so i'd like to hear if i could uh your top three priorities uh and i don't know if you've had time to think in terms of the next five years but if you have Along with those priorities, what's in store for the IFC for the next five years and what can new and existing members expect to see?
1: Well, I will first tell you that our our priorities right now um, and for the foreseeable future are membership, financial resilience, and education and training. And let me kind of break that down. From a membership standpoint, we want to increase the numbers. We want to increase the numbers so that we have more people involved. But we also want to start meeting the needs of our members in different ways because we have been somewhat stymied in the way that we address what our members need our financial resilience is extremely important you know we've been around for 150 years and if we want to be around for 150 years more we need to have a better business plan as we move forward and partnerships and programs and things that we bring to the members Um, The only policy that I have implemented since I became interim was the requirement that nothing occurs in our association without a business plan. We need to look at what uh, what the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are and how that's going to enhance the value to our members and the financial resilience of the organization. And then lastly, and probably the most importantly, even though people will say membership and financial um, resilience is very important, we really are looking at how we deliver education and training, and that, and that runs the full gamut. What does FRI look like in the future? How do we reach our members? Um, we want to make sure that we give that in-person experience, but we also want to make sure that we're offering opportunities for people that aren't able to get that experience one of the things that we noted during fri 2020 when we were forced to do a virtual event is we had many more international members join us well that's you know, that's one of those things that should be to, should be expected um, travel from international countries even without a pandemic is somewhat cost prohibitive. If we truly want to be a global fire service and reach out worldwide, we need to make certain things available. That applies right here in the United States. We're going to have smaller departments or maybe even bigger departments that aren't able to do that. So how do we, how do we bridge those gaps? And I can tell you that, you know, when we look at, um, a hybrid conference, um, that's extremely difficult and cost prohibitive so how do we how do we offer those opportunities throughout the year for our members and so we really want to look at the education and training not only in how we offer it but what we're offering there's a lot of classes out there there's a lot of certifications you can become an executive fire officer you can Um, go through all of the NFPA um, fire officer classes and we help with that in our officer development program. But our fire service executive development institute is different in the fact that we talk to fire chiefs and aspiring fire chiefs about, hey, these are the things they don't teach in the certification class. And we want to bring that down to the other levels, the battalion chief level and even our company officers. Because I think you would agree that one of the things that I found when I was being promoted up through the ranks is you get the promotion, but there's no class that goes along with it that teaches you. And so based on what you learned from the person before you is how you apply your own leadership style. And so we want to offer those opportunities to not only the members of the IFC, but the future members of the IFC, because it is extremely important. That we get the future members involved now so that we can grow into the future.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting the way you said that. Uh, you're right. You, you take the test, you get the promotion, and then what? Uh, you know, I, I recently, uh, in the last year or so, did a, a video series on uh, command post management. And, you know, not rocket science, uh, but uh, it was interesting the response I got to that series from – Battalion chiefs and captains across the country, literally coast to coast, who reached out and said, you know, I really wish somebody had done something like this when I was considering being a battalion chief or that this was available to me when I started out. Just talking about how to physically run a command post, um, you know, and not worrying about checking the boxes, but about physically the nuances of it. So it is absolutely important. And I appreciate the IFC uh, looking at taking the lead in that. I think that's an important uh, an important step forward.
1: Well, I think that's I think that's our mission. Um, we want to support the members we have and the fire chiefs that we have, but yeah. we would be extremely remiss if we weren't trying to develop the future leaders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've, we've known each other a long time. I, I dare say uh, we've both learned something from each other along the way. Maybe good, maybe bad. We won't go into that now. But uh, I'd, I'd like you to. Can you share with our listeners maybe your most the most important lesson in leadership that you've learned in your career? That's a, a tall order, maybe, but the most important lesson in leadership you've learned in your career. I guess i would
1: have to say i'm going to have to answer that with two with 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 two aspects from from a from a direct leadership position i believe that listening um is by far um, the best tool that we have as leaders it is extremely important that when we are the leader that um, we are we are checking that pulse of whatever it is, whether it's the issue, the organization, we need to be listening. That provides us with the vital information to make decisions. But secondly, I think it's also looking inward. Um, it, it's making sure that we're checking signals internally to make sure that we don't have issues that could reflect on the organization Um, oftentimes we you know we we get so focused on the organization we ignore other signs that we need to be healthy leaders and um, I have uh, I have spent um, a lot of time in the last um, eight years um, teaching a class uh, to give people my experience and say you know what Um, you can focus on being the best you can for the community, but you also have to make sure that you're good too. And, um, I watched, uh, um, a few years, uh, just a couple of years back, there was a movie that came out about Navy SEALs. And, you know, they talk about how, you know, if everything's not good with you personally at home, so on and so forth, um, you're you're not going to be any good downrange. Um, and it's the same thing for all of us fire chiefs that are leaders, um, we, we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves um, and make sure that that's just as important.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Chief, is there anything else you'd like to add or, or share with our listeners?
1: Nope, I think that's it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I, I sincerely appreciate
0: it. Well, I certainly appreciate having you with us on the Side the Podcast. I want to capture some takeaways from our discussion with Chief Rob Brown. Um, Chief Brown talked about his role as the uh, new CEO and executive director for the IFC his role is bridging uh, the gap between uh, member desires and staff capabilities you know they have lost uh, a lot of staff at the IFC over time and uh, the members have a lot of unmet needs and his his role he sees as bridging that gap so certainly appreciate that uh, we talked about his passions and passion for leadership in general and uh, chief brown talked about Uh, a family tragedy that drove his passion to serve and then how uh, the breadth of opportunities he found in the I chiefs drove his passion to lead. So not only the passion to serve in the beginning uh, through some family tragedy, but then also the I chiefs driving his passion uh, to leave and to lead. And then he uh, talked about yet to leave, not leave his passion to lead. Um, he talked about some early mentors, uh, Jim Page, Warren Isman, uh, Jim Eastup. There were others. Um, a lot of big names in the fire service that uh, were, were frankly, some of my uh, mentors as well. Uh, we looked at um, the uh, de- his desire, Chief Brown's desire to constantly challenge upcoming officers. Uh, he talked about how people need to take uh, the opportunities that are in front of them. Uh, then when we talked about... Uh, the most emergent issues for the fire service in 2021, he talked about balancing the changing community needs. An interesting answer, the changing, uh, the balancing the changing community needs. And he specifically uh, in mentioning uh, the social justice movement and how the citizens desires uh, specifically to treat mental health patients differently may uh, directly and dynamically impact emergency services. In fact, they will. Directly and dynamically impact emergency services, and that's going to be a big issue in 2021 and beyond uh, for chiefs to focus on. That was number one. Number two was uh, to focus on health and safety needs for the firefighters, and number three was to focus on funding. Then we talked about the IFC's uh, challenges. Uh, You know, we wanted to be transparent with that, and Chief Brown, I appreciate your uh, forthright answers with uh, the challenges the IFC has gone through. He explained how the IFC has been around since 1873, and is a strong organization that's going to be able to rebound. They're looking at business approach planning for the future and uh, how uh, financial resilience uh, is an important factor for him and how they have turned around the financial system by outsourcing and being able to uh, to uh, give reports in a more timely fashion. How the organization needs to be member-driven and how um, uh, the, the nugget that I really liked out of this was uh, the organization needs to evolve or will cease to exist and so many organizations and fire departments across the country should have that as their motto over their door you evolve or you will cease to exist and then we talked about chief brown's top three priorities for the IFC and they were membership uh, both numbers and need uh, that was number one not necessarily that one of these was more important than the other but number one was membership numbers and need number two was financial Uh, resilience for the organization and having better business planning throughout the organization. Number three was education and training, how opportunities for the future will affect especially international opportunities, but all over the United States. In all of that, he wants to be able to have a a focus on developing our future leaders. And then we talked about uh, his most important lessons in leadership, and he gave two. I asked for one, he gave two, and that's fine. Number one was that listening is our best tool, and number two is that we need to make sure we're also looking inward while we're looking outwards. Chief Brown, that's all we have time for today. Uh, we have been talking with Chief Rob Brown, CEO and Executive Director of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. Chief Brown, thanks for joining us, and thanks to our listeners for hanging out with us today. This is Mark Bace, your Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com. Have a great day. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.